The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Will you all join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Uh, Thank you for this opportunity to come together as your church, the small C church, as a part of the large church. As my brother Trevor comes forward to share the message, I pray that uh, you fill the gap between his words and your words. There's this misunderstanding that we fall into, and the the only true truth comes from you. So I pray that you keep our minds open, our hearts open, and our ears receptive. In your mighty son's name we pray. Amen. Thanks. Good morning, Grace City. My name's Trevor. I oversee our care ministry here at Grace City. I'll be filling in for Randall this week. We're picking up in James from last week where we spoke uh, how words matter and what James is stressing uh, in consideration to our words. In this message, we will be diving into what directly determines our speech, our words, and among all practical pieces of our lives. That being, what is wisdom? Where does it come from? The truths that sculpt our lives and what truths we choose are important enough worth living for. My hope for you is that this message, in this message, you'll be able to see through James uh, not only that wisdom matters, but that trusting God and dependence, trust in Him, submittance in Him, it breathes wisdom, and that wisdom changes everything. I want to give you a moment to either write in your notes or mentally concentrate on how you define wisdom, personally and uh, scripturally as well. So I'll give you a couple seconds just to kind of think about that. Wisdom encompasses a lot of things and concretely Defining it is not an easy task whatsoever. 
Many of the secular definitions you will find for wisdom, they spend a lot of stress and a lot of time and how do we integrate knowledge, experience, and a deep, exhaustive understanding that hopefully will produce tolerance, knowing that life has uncertainties, that life has up and downs, that there's just going to be moments in life that we can't, we can't know ahead of time. Recently in psychology, there are studies that are trying to understand how emotional, social, and cognitive information that we acquire from experience, how does that transmute into wisdom? Psychologically speaking, some characteristics among wise people have been observed as a sense of optimism, even in lieu of a life that is so hard and so rough and a calmness when a person is faced with these difficult and trying circumstances. And this definition, even among psychologists, there is an understanding and an acceptance that intelligence or knowing information, although present in a wise person, is not sufficient alone. Being a genius or knowing a lot of things or a lot about something does not necessarily make you wise at all. I would stress that wisdom apart from God simply is not wisdom. I would urge you that if your concept for wisdom stems solely from what you understand based on what you have known and what you have already done, that this is a man-centered perspective on wisdom and this perspective is going to fail you. I pray that you would define wisdom for your life from a gospel-centered and gospel-saturated perspective. Wise counsel is something that we seek, and we appreciate it, uh, especially when we have no idea what to do. It's fair to say that we can take it for granted uh, when we need it, but it's hard when we need it and we don't have it. Maybe you're in a place today or have been recently when the wisdom that used to help you can no longer equip you to live life with all of its uncertainties in the right way. Maybe the person, that wise counsel, for a long time that gave you insight, perspective, sound advice is no longer in your life. Maybe you're in a different season in a different place now, or maybe that person uh, passed away and they're no longer in your life and now still wrestling with questions and not knowing what to do or what to think, yet not being able to ask them. It, pu- it puts us in a very hard position when we seek wisdom and we don't know where to find it. True God-centered wisdom, it's going to be timeless, and it's sufficient. It's sufficient to trust and to know that God is going to carry us through life. We need God's wisdom just like we need the gospel. We need to have a picture of how Scripture conceptualizes what what is wisdom, what exactly is it. And what does it mean for the rest, of life, the rest of my life? What is it going to mean if I have heavenly wisdom? How is that going to affect who I am? What do I do? 
being faithful to Jesus bears in mind that his words for us are powerful enough to save us, they're also powerful enough to find our very definition. Let's jump into what James is saying about wisdom. Our first point is a little bit of a reality check and seeing where we are today. If we're being truthful, if we're being transparent and honest with ourselves to God, are you honestly wise? This is what we'll open up with in verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. James bridges a very important insight on understanding wisdom with simplicity. That wisdom will have a presence in our lives, not only by knowledge of information, but that wisdom is evidenced by how we live, that wisdom is habitual and it is behavioral. It is learned, but it's also practiced. It's a funny thing that is implied in the first sentence, who is wise and understanding among you? It, it almost has a similar feeling if someone were to ask you, do you consider yourself to be humble? If you say yes, does that really make you humble? Or maybe you would, you would be more likely to say, well, people tell me I'm humble. But we have to ask ourselves, how does a wise person acknowledge that they are wise? I think the biggest thing to really land on is this, that it isn't you that makes you wise, or even humble for that matter. It's only Jesus redeeming what has already been done and has shown us that's what breathes wisdom, and that's what makes us wise, not on our own, but through Christ. The second part of the verse is critical to painting the picture of how do we understand wisdom. Sam Alberry, a commentator on the book of James, has said this, wisdom is something that can be shown and does not exist if it is not shown. It is seen not primarily in words, but in deeds. It is someone's conduct and how they live rather than their brain power and what they know that shows they are wise. James is not writing off the need of knowledge. He is showing us where wisdom is seen. Its evidence is ultimately behavioral rather than intellectual. It's not a bad thing that James connects wisdoms and works in the same river. It does challenge some ideas on wisdom in a secular perspective that does boast a great deal of stress on intellectualism or even a cleverness or, or even uh, a clever spin on how we communicate something that's already known. However, seeing that wisdom connects to how you live is a huge idea with a huge implication. James uh, also says that by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. There's a relationship as it pertains to wisdom, not just with what we know and how that influences what we do, but also our heart. Our heart and why what we know about Christ's character, how that influences our works and who we are in this exchange. The meekness of wisdom captures this perfectly. Wisdom is an act of faithfulness and obedience to Jesus. 
when the works of our lives point back to his gospel. This is where the gospel has roots in every aspect of our lives. It's understanding that trusting Jesus is what breathes wisdom. This is, this is both, this is true. A gospel-centered mind on God's wisdom. The book of Proverbs speaks a great length about wisdom. And Proverbs 3, this is a, a great reminder. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. We have an encouragement that God's wisdoms guide our steps when we trust him. Our second point is the fruits of earthly wisdom. James defines what an earthly and man-centered focus for wisdom produces. This is what James says in verse 14. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Just as we talk through that wisdom has a correlation in what we know, what we do, and where our heart is, earthly and sinful wisdom is going to be telling when our life is built upon a foolish foundation. If the truth that you trust is selfish and sinful, then, then your works and your speech are going to be evidenced by a sinful wisdom. James is breaking down that a selfish wisdom will have selfish fruits and it's going to have selfish outcomes. If everything you strive for is for your sake, then it's easy to say that your toil is going to constantly point back to you. If you seek work and place in the world above Jesus, above your family, above your friends, then the fruits of that sinful wisdom is going to tell the same story every time. It's going to affect everything, what you say, what you feel, what you do, what you don't do, what you don't feel. Let's look at what Job says uh, in regard to all the places and things that will not lead you to wisdom, and that wisdom cannot be found in earthly places, that heavenly wisdom cannot be bought. Here's what Job says, but where shall wisdom be found? Where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its worth, and it, it, is, it is not found in the land of the living. The deep says it is not in me, and the sea says it is not with me. It cannot be bought for gold, and silver cannot be weighed as its price. It cannot be valued in the gold of Ophir and precious onyx or sapphire. Gold and glass cannot equal it, nor can it be exchanged for jewels of fine gold. No mention shall be made of coral or of crystal. 
The price of wisdom is above pearls. The price of wisdom is worth more than precious stones or metals or even money itself, which is hard for us to fathom. You cannot buy wisdom, and even though its worth is so precious, it has been freely given to those who trust the teachings of God. You cannot earn the fruits of, our, our labors cannot earn the fruits of this heavenly wisdom. Only trusting God with our hearts and our hands will produce heavenly wisdom. God is doing all the work. We just have to depend that he is who he has told us he is. The same commenter, Sam Alberry, uh, says this on this portion of James 3. Every wrong form of speech is a sign that there is a lack of wisdom. It is the product of a proud heart that harbors bitter envy and selfish ambition. Pride means we want to promote ourselves and bring others down. Pride is nothing to be proud of. A wisdom that is motivated by wishing to pull others down or push ourselves forward is the opposite of heavenly. To identify the heart of earthly wisdom, oftentimes the sin of pride is going to be at the very center. It is stifling and at the end of the day is only going to create chaos and disorder. If every person ensnared by a sinful wisdom is so fixed on themselves, then it is utterly impossible for those same people ever to truly care about the needs of others. And if, if they do, it's probably for their own advantage. And if these fruits of the world are the best that can be offered, then the gospel is going to be confusing and it's going to be offensive. It challenges the voices and the ambitions that the world tells us are worth sacrificing for. But honestly, a lot of the problems and pains we see and experience stem from this very philosophy of the world that we, and to know that we honestly aren't enough. We don't have it all figured out. We all need help. We can't do it alone. Our third point is the fruits of heavenly wisdom, verses 17 and 18. We know that, we know what heavenly wisdom isn't. Any wisdom apart from God is not wisdom at all. And we know that it is only through God that we are given his wisdom graciously. It's incredibly hard to wrap, wrap our minds around the fact that God would give what transcends value, what is utterly priceless, and what does God do? He gives it away for free, and his wisdom produces godly character in us through him. And this is what James says heavenly wisdom is. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown by peace by those who make peace. The wisdom from above is everything that we desire and everything that we need. Heavenly wisdom is opposed to earthly wisdom. Heavenly wisdom produces peace and earthly wisdom produces dissension. The wisdoms are complete opposites when we look at the fruits. 
they, they each produce as we study James. I want to encourage you to see that it is only through God's faithfulness that the fruits of heavenly wisdom are producible. For honest and true heavenly wisdom to really take root in our hearts, we need to be so about the gospel and compelled by the gospel that we let the habitual and behavioral pieces of our lives constantly share the narrative of the gospel, constantly point people back to Christ. Paul says this in Corinthians about heavenly wisdom. Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, or if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person, which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Paul illustrates that the world will not be discerning or understanding of the heavenly wisdom that comes from God. Paul even shows that had the rulers and those in power at the time known this, they surely would not have done what they did to Jesus. Living in heavenly wisdom will abide in the Spirit of God. Living in heavenly wisdom will be a life in deep relationship, independence, and trust to the Holy Spirit. Who can better comfort and counsel the wisdom of God, speaking to where we are today, speaking to what we struggle with today, than the great counselor, the one that came after Jesus? God has prepared his wisdom for you through him, just as he provided Jesus as the perfect savior from your sin. We'll revisit the words of Job uh, from earlier, where Job spoke to where wisdom is not found, and none of the things this world are sufficient of purchasing or earning the heavenly wisdom from God. And in this part of the text, Job fleshes out where uh, wisdom can be found. From where then does wisdom come, and where is the place of understanding? It is hidden from the eyes of all living and concealed from the birds of the air. Abaddon and death say, we have heard a rumor of it with our ears. God understands the way to it, and he knows its place. For he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under heaven. When he gave to the wind its weight and apportioned the waters by measure, when he made a decree for the rain and a way for the lightning of the thunder, and then he saw it and declared it, he established it and searched it out. And he said to man, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to turn away from evil is understanding. In the last line of the passage here, the fear of God is wisdom, to trust and obey who he is, and that he loves you, and that he has sacrificed so much for us, although we don't deserve any of that. Turn away from evil, turn aside from it from what we know is sinful, what we know seeks to ensnare us in temptation, in addiction, 
and seeks to ultimately separate us from God to attempt to create seeds of distrust and doubt in God. Here are a few takeaways that I want to leave you with today. We've walked through where are we currently in a lifestyle that seeks and listens to God's wisdom. The world teaches on the fruits of wisdom that we know are certain and perfect from God. Our first takeaway is this, which wisdom has built your house? As we look at how wisdom affects decisions uh, we make, rather uh, it's our faith in Jesus, career, family, friends, you have to really consider about the long term, looking back, how does your identity in the gospel and listening to God's voice for heavenly wisdom How has this changed the way that you make life-affecting decisions? There is a sobering question of which wisdom is actually producing change in your life. How present is God's purpose for your life when you are figuring out what lies ahead of you today and for your family? When we look back at the practical list James gives, Uh, between earthly and heavenly wisdom, uh, would you say truthful, which would you say truthfully expresses your motivation, your sacrifice, and even the goals that you have currently? There's a parable that Jesus gives about two people building a house on two different foundations, one on rock and one on sand. On the sand, the home is destroyed, and, uh, and on the rock, the house has a firm and strong foundation and weathers the storm perfectly. We have to identify introspectively yet truthfully, what are we building on right now? Are your decisions and ambitions you have for God's kingdom or are they only for your kingdom? Our second takeaway is where is your heart? This is a practical question for you to to chew on hopefully through this week. It's It's an affective question especially as you look how heavenly wisdom is or has changed your life, how your identity in the gospel has inserted God's wisdom in your life and being the the wisdom that you lean into every day, every decision. As an affective application, the question is on an emotional level or how you perceive the well-being of others with the wisdom of God. Do you see people the way God does, and do you feel or attempt to feel the same depth of his love for them, or at the very least, show them that God loves them? Do you tell them that God loves them, even when they don't feel it? When someone hears the the wisdom that you speak, what are they experiencing from you? Are you sharing your experience with God through that? Understanding where your heart is will always be telling of how sincerely heavenly wisdom is present in your spirit. This is a huge question. There is trust and submittance to God's good purposes for our life, and we also have to let God change our heart when we have moments where what we speak, even if it lines up with God's wisdom, but we personally struggle to accept God's purpose and timing Sometimes we can be just like the prophet Jonah. 
knowing that God's will and wisdom is good for people, yet at the same time being odds, being at odds uh, internally with us, that there's a, a tension and a struggle there, knowing what is good and what is right, yet not necessarily accepting wholly to God's wisdom for our lives. Our final takeaway is this, it's kind of heavy. <laughs> Who's in the mirror? It's about as personal of a takeaway uh, as you can get. I don't say this for you to be unhealthily critical of where you are today um, or how you're reconciling uh, the wisdom you're living out and how God is either affirming that or piercing your heart to return to him. This question is a little existential. It's a, it's a little bit of, of who am I right now? There is so much focus on wisdom placed here because it shapes and affects so many people and things in your life. The wisdom that you cling to will affect everyone around you, everyone that listens to you, and depending uh, what your job is or where you are, it may even affect people that never see you. The question here in all transparency and honesty is, who are you? How does God's wisdom change the way you used to see yourself from where you were maybe five years ago and who you are today? It's the peace and assurance that God is showing us now who we are, who we used to be, but more importantly, he's showing us who you, who you were meant to be. Heavenly, heavenly wisdom teaches us day by day in both thought and deed and work, and we, we have a lot of hope in the gospel because the question matters so much to God that living in his wisdom and in his gospel, that this question of wisdom has to matter to us. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you. Uh, we thank you for your wisdom. We thank you for your character, for your example in our lives, Lord. Um, I pray that, that reading through James and seeing uh, what your spirit produces, what your wisdom produces, Lord, that, that it's you at work. It, it's not us um, making things happen, Lord. It's, it's what you've already done, that, that we cling and we have every security in you, Lord. I pray that um, just maybe it's a season just really asking, how do I trust you more? How do I lean into your wisdom? How do I maybe even just communicate your wisdom to others? Uh, Lord, I pray that um, we just pray for, for hearts that seek you, hearts that listen to you, and Lord, hearts, hearts that, that want to act out, um, that want to, to put into practice your perfect wisdom, Lord. We thank you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.